Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's September 24th. 1951, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that an American named Christine Jorgensen underwent her first gender reassignment surgery, and in the process, she became America's first trans celebrity. Born in 1926 and grew up in New York, she was assigned male at birth and she was an outsider in her neighbourhood, which was very rough and tumble. She described herself as being frail, blonde and introverted. She was also very short and skinny and later described herself as being sexually underdeveloped. So she'd long wondered if she was actually meant to be a woman. And after serving in the army... She learned about the emerging field of medical transition. It wasn't available in any American hospitals, so she decided to travel to Sweden, where it was available. But stopped off to visit some relatives in Denmark. Yeah, I know, which kind of felt uh, like... Never made yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, never made it as far as... Which, I don't quite understand how this happened, but she seemed to sort of just stumble into someone who specialised in gender reassignment surgery in Denmark. I don't know, there were obviously more of them there than there <laughs> were in the United States at the time, uh, whose name was Christian Hamburger, and as a result of meeting him and feeling a kinship with him and thinking, yes, this is the person that I want to do my sex reassignment surgery, he's the person who carried out the orchiectomy, which is basically castration, on this day that we're commemorating in Copenhagen. And as a result, she decided to name herself after him. Christine came from Christian. And shortly after she'd had the operation, she wrote this letter to friends on October the 8th in 1951, where she really was just sort of talking about what she had just done. And she said, as you can see from the enclosed photos taken just before the operation, I have changed a great deal. But it is the other changes that are so much more important. Remember the shy, miserable person who left America? Well, that person is no more. And as you can see, I'm in marvellous spirits. And I really think that that's just the nicest sort of description of her feelings about the significance of what she'd just done, that it had just made her from a less happy person into a more happy person. And she had a few strokes of incredible luck, really, at this time in her life. The first one, obviously, was meeting Christian Hamburger, who was one of the few doctors in the world at the time who believed that trans people should be offered surgery if that's what they wanted, rather than the contemporary belief is that they could basically be therapised out of it. But she also had an incredibly supportive family. She came from a pretty normal working class background. Her dad was a carpenter, but they publicly supported her in the press. They sent her parcels of women's clothing and accessories when she was still living in Denmark. They really seemed to have embraced her. And I think part of that is she had written them a letter where she said, nature made a mistake, which I have had corrected. And I I am your daughter. And they accepted this. And I think reading between the lines, especially some of what Christine would later write in her autobiography, part of it came from this idea that it was almost a collective relief to her parents and to her herself that she wasn't a gay man. That seemed to have been part of the reason they found this easy to accept. Mm. They were able to accept this idea of there's been a biological error, an operation has fixed it, and everything's sorted now almost in a way seemed to be easier to accept than the idea of having a homosexual son. 
And this was one of the many things that I think was pioneering or different about this particular story, because there had been sex change surgery before, Mm. but that was sort of exclusively genitally based. It was literally about what you cut off and what you put back. The idea that trans people live with now of living as the opposite sex first, basically undergoing a psychological shift, being more important than the physical, and some people don't even have surgery at all. All that's now commonplace, but that was what was being pioneered here. She lived as a woman for a year before she went back to the United States. And probably also significant that the two documented cases previously had been in Weimar, Germany. One of them was Lily Elba, who was portrayed in the film The Danish Girl. But obviously those stories were mostly restricted to the German press and they didn't really make it to the rest of Europe and America, probably because of what subsequently happened in Germany in the years to come. When she got back to New York, it was also notable that it wasn't just her family who were being supportive of her, but generally she was being pretty well received. Admittedly, some of the headlines are very of their era. So the New York Daily News ran this front page story about her when she'd just arrived back and the headline was XGI becomes blonde beauty. But actually, as she got off the plane, she was really swamped with people who were supportive of her and received her really kindly. So much so that actually she'd flown back on the same day that the Danish royal family were also coming to the States. And the reporters were much more interested in talking to her than they were in talking to the royals. (laughs) To be fair, I think reporters would be more interested in speaking to us than talking to the Danish royal family still. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. I mean, I take your point. I mean, I'm curious about how that story ended up in the New York Daily News. Because she was still in Copenhagen when the news of the sex change operation, as it was called then, had spread. And The rumour always was that she must have told them. She must have told them that this had happened. But I've seen interviews with her where she says that it was a mutual family friend that had leaked it to the papers. And if that's true, rather Mm. than her covering her own desire for self-promotion, that's sort of an extraordinarily difficult thing to imagine happening, isn't it? You know, you're 24 years old, you're having pioneering sexual reassignment surgery in a country you're not from, and then you hear that in the country you are from... You are front page news. Yeah, and she found it quite overwhelming as well when the reporters were swarming around her. She said something like, you know, thank you for coming, but Mm. it's too much. And, Mm. you know, I don't think she was trying to draw attention to herself specifically. I have to say, though, um, like Arian, maybe because I was going in with low expectations, I was surprised at how not awful the coverage was. Mm. In that same Mm -hmm. story you mentioned with the headline XGI becomes Blonde Beauty, it's by Ben White. The opening line was... A Bronx youth who served two years in the army during the war and was honourably discharged has been transformed by the wizardry of medical science into a happy, beautiful young woman. Which I thought, oh, well, you could probably still use that sentence today. I mean, obviously you can't discount the fact that some of the interest was prurient and the understanding of who she was and her journey was relatively crude. But given the fact that most people at the time would not have heard about the existence of transgender people, you know, it was conflated with being a transvestite or being gay or some kind of weird sexual deviance. And it was really the first time that this was being presented as nothing to do with drag shows, nothing to Mm. do with sex. This was a normal woman who wanted to live a normal life. And I think that actually gave her a huge advantage because I think we can't overlook the fact that she did have some advantages. She wasn't a member of any other oppressed minority. And she had this story that most people in the 50s could understand. Well, she had served with the American military as well. Mm. Obviously, it was a popular time to have done that. Yeah, she was a wholesome American. She was the victim of a horrible biological mistake and she just wanted to wear a twin set and pearls and settle down. Except, 
I mean, let's talk about some of the dark moments here. The only way she could make a living after all this was as an entertainer, basically via public appearances. And there is a flavour of freak show to some of the things that she did afterwards. And there's also actually, I would say, a flavour of drag. I don't know if you've seen any of the video of her performing, but she was a cabaret performer. And like the highlight of her act was she did Marlena Dietrich, basically. Mm. And I was watching it thinking, this does look a bit like a drag show now. Which, of course, if you were a trans activist in 2021, is probably the last thing you would want your show to look like. But I feel like then she was talking to a cis heteronormative audience that she understood and it was a way to get a message across and I think she thought I can use my entertainment platform to do that I can provide something people find intriguing and then deliver a harder message after the publication of her autobiography which was in 1967 so when the sexual revolution was really ramping up she sort of had a second act and she'd relocated to Los Angeles before and she'd stopped doing the nightclub act but this brought her back as a touring speaker she went around college campuses and just told her story and that really gave her this sort of new lease of what we would recognize today more as activism so you know in her first iteration in the 50s she was introducing America to this concept that hello, I exist. And then Mm. she was able to come back then in the late 60s and in the 70s too, that they made her autobiography into a film in 1970. It's very campy and bad, but still. I was going to (laughs) say, the the poster for the film in 1970, the official movie of her autobiography has the tagline, did the surgeon's knife make me a woman or a freak? Mm, Which is like so unreflective of everything that she ever said or wrote or her life in general, that it's hard to see how it bears any resemblance to her life story whatsoever. But it was to her credit, I think, that she remained an entertainer. It was a bit uncomfortable she was forced into being one. But having become one, I think she always gave good chat show, didn't she? She was never yeah. po-faced about it, even when she was I mean, a she campaigner. she was fun. Yeah. And that, yes, and being fun, having a sense of humour, being relatable, I'm sure that did a lot more for trans rights than if she'd been, you know, deeply serious about it. Right. So she wrote loads of books about her experience. Do you know she also wrote a cookbook? No. (laughs) Yeah, she wrote a Scandinavian cookbook. I know she wrote it because I saw a chat show where she talked about having written it, but I can't find it in print anywhere. So if you have one, I presume it's very valuable. I mean, the understanding was still very simplistic and people wanted to know what do these transgender people eat? (laughs) (laughs) Next time. And my hangover from it was so painful that I immediately went to see a two-dimensional movie for relief. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.